You're listening to another message from Generation City Church. I want you to come with me in your Bible this morning to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, it's, a, it's known really as an end time passage of scripture, but I'm not speaking out of the theology so much of this passage or the eschatology of this passage. Um, But I do want to bring some thoughts out of it. So I'm not here to debate what Jesus means by certain things that he says and what the implications of that are in the end times. Um, But I do want to bring some very, very key thoughts out of it. I want to read to you from verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty And you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. These righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you and the king will say I tell you the truth when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters you were doing it to me then the king will turn to those on the left and say away with you you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels for I was hungry and you didn't feed me I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. You know... The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ is completely about people. It's all about people. It's, it's, it's totally about people. The whole purpose behind the mission of Jesus is about people. Hurting people, broken people. Sick people, lost people, wounded people, people smashed up by life, people wounded, people disappointed, people who have lost their way in life. The whole purpose of the mission of Jesus is all about life for people. It's about hope for people. It's about a new vision, a new purpose. It's about healing. It's about restoration. It's about reconciliation. It's about about a whole new dawning of a whole new day of goodness and hope and purpose. It's all about people. And if we, if we want to be true, authentic followers of Jesus Christ, we have to have a love for people. We have to have a genuine, 
deep down desire to help people. To take our, our eyes off our own world, to take our eyes off our own dreams, our own aspirations, our own wants, our own hopes, our own future, and to begin to share of ourselves with those around us. I believe it has to start here in the house of God. It has to start in the household of faith. We have to care for one another, those that are sitting alongside of us in the family of God. But it has to also flow outside of the walls of this church and into the community that our church is planted in. We, we, if we really want to be followers, authentic disciples of Jesus, we have to be like him. You see, when he came, he healed people. I remember the, the leper that came to him, the, the, the leper, the, the outcast, the one who was ostracized, who, who talk about a rejection syndrome. Nobody could go near this guy. He was completely outcast. He was isolated. He was separated from, from the rest of the pack, if you like. He was the lone wolf. He was the one who had to fend for himself. And the leper comes to Jesus and Jesus touched him. Something you didn't do. Something that you didn't go near. You didn't, you didn't go near a leper. You stayed away. They were unclean. But Jesus came and, and went against the culture of the day. Went against the rules and regulations of the day. And got his hands dirty with the dirtiness of life. And the leper comes to Jesus and realizes that he's a healer. Perhaps hadn't had a full revelation of who he really was, but realized he carried power that healed people, that put lives back together, that had been smashed up. And he comes and he says to Jesus these incredible words, If you're willing, you have the power to make me whole. And Jesus comes back with, with almost a shock response. What, what do you mean if I'm willing? It's the whole purpose that I have come for. I've come for people. I've come to heal the likes of you. I've come to help the likes of you. I've come to put lives back together. I've come to put feet back on the path of life and to help people find life in abundance like they have never experienced before. It's the entire purpose for which I came. Jesus spent more time in the community than he did in the religious places of the day. You know, he spent more time with the notorious ones, the publicans and the sinners the Bible talks about, those who were disassociated from the religious ones. Jesus, you never find Jesus angry with the world, but you find him angry with the so-called church of the day, angry in the temple. Angry with attitudes that are, that are religious and pious and, and, and holier than thou. He, he attacked that with a ferocity. But when he was out there amongst the broken and the hurting, and, and it included you know, the prostitutes of the day, the women of the night, it included those who were ripping off the system, those who were ripping off people day in and day out. He would dine with them. He would eat with them. He would fellowship with them. Why? Because he came for them. He said it's the sick that need a physician, not the healthy. And I've come for people. He, he broke up a funeral procession, procession because, because of a compassion 
that rose up inside of him for someone who was grieving, someone who was hurting and wounded. He was moved with compassion with a widow who had now lost her son, lost her husband, had now lost her son. And he was so moved by it, he intervened and gave back life to the son. He saw blind people and felt compassion because of what they were missing out on. And he, he just breathed on them and restored their sight. He, he came to those who were sick and hurting and he healed and he restored and he put them back together. And, and he expects his church, which is his body, continuing on the earth to continue to do the same thing. If we truly want to be the body of Christ, then we still have to do what he did. We still have to touch people. We still have to get alongside of people. We st- why, why is it that the church seems to isolate themselves from this broken, hurting world? Why is it the church separates? You know, I don't know that it's so much today, but when I got saved, there was this real religious spirit in the church, and it was so that we wouldn't get contaminated by the worldliness of these people. I don't think there's... There's a bigger problem with that in the church today. I think we're more contaminated by worldliness than we, we realize. And I think we get engaged in worldly ways more than we, we realize. But back then, it was kind of like you separated yourself. It was us and them because we're the holy ones. We're the clean ones. We're the accepted ones. And, and hey, we, you know, if you want to get saved, you need to come to us on our terms and, and get saved on our terms. And, you know, but we would separate. But there was another reason why the church was distant. And I think it's probably more the reason today why the church has separated itself from the broken and the hurting and the wounded. And I I think really it's more to do with if I get close to you, you might want something from me. If I get close to you, you might bring inconvenience into my life. You might need something and it might actually put me out in the journey of life. But if we truly want to be followers of Jesus Christ, we can't just look for a relationship on the vertical. We have to look for a relationship on the horizontal. Jesus was close to the Father. He felt the heartbeat of the Father. He knew the mind of the Father. He did only what the Father told him to do. And he had that vertical relationship because he spent time separated from the world with the Father. But at the end of his time with the Father, he came back and reconnected with the world. He came back and he got close to those that were hurting and broken. And the father led him to the lowliest of the low so that he could bring life and healing and restoration and hope. But today we got so caught up with our, our self-centered lifestyles. One of the symptoms that's come in with sin is this selfishness. That says, I I want what the Father's got for me. I want what Jesus has for me. I I really want to press on and lay a hold of that for which Jesus laid a hold of me. And, And I want the destiny and I want the future and I want the promises of God and I want the life of God and I want the provision of God and I want the healing of God. I want, I want, I want, I want. And we're so pushing for that, but we've neglected the vertical. When Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And then he said this, the second is, is equally the same. He didn't say, oh, number two in priority. It's not as important as the first one, guys. Get this. You, you know, you've got to love God. That you, you just can't. You know. No, he said number two, it's just as important. You've got to love people like you love yourself. 
Now, what that means is not getting up in the morning and just grooming yourself because you're just a lover boy who just thinks you're, you're God's gift to the world. And you kind of, you know, what, what it is, is you look after people just like you'd look after yourself. It means you would, you would go out of your way to help somebody just like you'd go out of your way to help yourself. You ever seen Christians at smorgasbords? The all-you-can-eat buffet? My golly. Talk about looking out for yourself. You know, love, your, love God and love people. Jesus loved the Father with a passion. And he got close to the Father but you see, he so felt the heartbeat of the Father that he picked up the heartbeat of the people because the people are in the Father's heart. The people... Let me say something to you that might rock your faith world. It's not all about Jesus. We always say, oh, it's all about Jesus. Christianity, it's all about... It's not all about Jesus. It's all about the Father. He was in Jesus reconciling the world to himself you see it's about the father it's about jesus coming to reconnect to the father it's about getting those prodigals that have lost their way that have have rebelled that have run off that have messed up made bad choices wrong choices wrong decisions taken wrong turns it's about getting them and reconciling them to the Father. It's all about the Father. Jesus is critical. And don't think for one minute I'm underestimating the importance of Jesus. But, but ne- the next time you hear someone say it's all about Jesus, no, 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 it's not. It's all about the Father. It's all about seeking and saving lost children and reconciling them back to the Father. That's what the mission of Jesus was all about. But we've got so caught up in if we just do the religious thing, if we just follow the religious path, if we just do what, what we think is going to please the heart of the Father, we, we will be okay. I want to show you something that even in the Old Testament, let me tell you this, the Father was more about relationship than he even was about the law. Even in the Old Testament, it wasn't just the law. And now that Jesus has come, the veil's been torn, we have access directly to the Father. No, even back then, he wanted relationship. You read the book of Psalms. It's all about intimacy with God. It's all about connection with God. And I want to show you something. Over in Isaiah chapter 58, the people are doing the religious thing. And they, they come to the Father because they don't feel like the Father's helping them. They don't feel like their creator, God, their, their God, is providing for them. They don't feel like the hand of God is being manifest in their situation because they're, they're going through the motion of religion to try and get God to move and they totally miss what it is God is wanting from them. And in Isaiah 58, they're fasting. And they're fasting from their food. They're, they're denying their stomach food. They're, they're laying aside their hunger. And they're pushing through saying, God, we're fasting. And then God's not responding. And then they come in verse 3 of Isaiah 58. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? Is it up there? Look at this. We have fasted before you. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice. 
And then God responds and says through the prophet, I'll tell you why. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance. Bowing your heads like reeds, bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and you cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? This is how God is speaking in the Old Testament. Challenging the religious mindset. He says, you bow your heads, you dress in burlap, you cover yourself with that, and you call that fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, he says, this is the kind of fasting I want. (laughs) Don't miss this. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Help the oppressed to go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then, if you live a lifestyle, which is what? Other people minded. Other people focused. A heart for people that have lost their way, people that are hurting and wounded and broken. He says, if you live like that, one, you're living like Jesus lived, but here's what will happen when you live a life like that. That's a true fast. When you deny yourself so that others might have. When you take what you've got and you think it's just enough for you and you cut it in half and you share half with someone who doesn't have it, you watch the hand of God bring increase and blessing and abundance into your life. It says, when you live like this, Your salvation will come like the dawn. Your wounds will quickly heal. You're struggling to get healing in your life? Is it because we're so self-focused on our healing? Rather than saying, God, I need healing, but hey, I'm just committing it to you while I'm helping this one over here get their healing. That's a genuine Christian attitude. That's what living like Jesus is, considering others as more important than yourself. You know, I, I'm here in line. I was next for the prayer of healing, but someone else looks sicker or worse than you, and you step back and go, you, you go forward. It's, it's denying yourself and sharing with others. He said, your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward. And the Lord, the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. So healing will come. Protection will come. You'll call upon the Lord. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. You wonder, why are the heavens like brass? Why am I not hearing the voice of God? Is it possible we are so self-centered about the voice of God is to give me something. The voice of God is to provide me something. The voice of God is to bless me with something. Rather than God, I just want to hear what you're saying so I can be a blessing to those in my life today. If we would just stop focusing on what we need, what we want, our provision, our need, our desire, and start going, God, give me what I need to help them. It's like shifting your focus. And it's like all of a sudden you'll go, hey, I just noticed for the last three weeks I wasn't limping. I have had that limp all my life. And I'm not, the Lord's just healed me. And it just happens without you even knowing. It'll come upon you suddenly. This is Old Testament. He's hungering for connection, relationship, heart attitude. 
He says, then your salvation will come like the dawn. Your wounds will quickly be healed. Your godliness will lead you forward. The glory of the Lord will protect you. You will call. The Lord will answer. Yes, I'm here. He will quickly reply. If you remove the heavy yoke of oppression and stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors, feed the hungry, help those in trouble, let you, then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually. You say, no, I don't know what God wants if he just show me what to do. You start living for other people and you start getting other people minded and you start getting a huge heart for the lost and the broken in the life that God has given you and the influence God has given you and you get your mind off yourself, you, you'll find he'll start to guide you the voice of God will come with incredible clarity you won't have to seek him he'll seek you you'll be like a magnet to him this person just doesn't ask me for anything they're just asking for things to help someone else I'm just going to bless them can you hear what I'm saying you know this is just such truth out of the word of God the Lord will, will guide you continually giving you water when you dry oh, I'm so thirsty I just wish God had come he will if we become other people focused and other people minded you will be like a well-watered garden like an ever-flowing spring it's a promise from the word of God if we would just stop looking we used to sing this great old chorus years ago it says just forget about yourself concentrate on him and worship him who remembers that old song just forget about yourself just forget about yourself you know, he knows what you need even before you ask. Now, I'm, not, I'm not undermining or downplaying the importance of making our requests known to God. We're, we're told to do that. But I think we get so caught up in making my requests known to God rather than, Lord, my request actually right now is not for me. It's so that someone else can be healed. It's so that someone else can find hope. It's so that someone else can be encouraged. It's so I can, I can give of myself. You know, fasting... When I first got saved, someone told me about fasting. I said, I'd never even heard the term fast, even medically. You know how sometimes you've got to fast before a blood test? I hadn't even heard it. I probably hadn't had a blood test. I was only 19. I was quite healthy. I said, what's fasting? And this well-meaning Christian said, well, you just don't eat. Really? For how long? Well, you, Jesus did it for 40 days. And they said, but some, some people will just do it for a day. Some people will miss a meal. I said, what, what do you do? They said, well, you usually just drink water. Some people would just say, I'm just going to fast tomorrow. So you, you eat dinner that night and then you don't eat the whole next day. You just drink water. And I said, well, what, is, what does it do? They said, well, it's in the Bible. It, it gets you close to God. I thought, well, I want to be close to God. So I'll fast. So the next day, I was, I was a boiler maker. The next day, I went off to work. I had a glass of water. And I started work, and then Smoko came around. You can understand something. For Smoko, I'd have two pies, three sausage rolls, and a can of Coke. That was morning tea. I was a growing lad. So Smoko come around, and my stomach's growling. I'm thinking, I don't know, but I want to get close to God. I want the Lord to be impressed that he'll come, and he'll manifest his power and his presence. And by the end of today, I'll be like Jesus, and I'll just touch people, and they'll be healed. I was so convinced this is what it would do. And so Smoko comes around and I, I didn't want to go to the lunchroom because all the pies and the sausage rolls would just, the aroma would just be too much. So I, I stayed on the job and I just worked through the Smoko period. And the guys came back and said, what are you doing? Yeah, I said, oh, just kept working. I said, I'm not really hungry. I was starving. I lied. <laughs> Here I was trying to get closer to God and I'm lying through my teeth. Three hours go by and 12 o'clock hits and it's time for lunch. By this time, my stomach is really howling. 
So I thought, I've just got to work through this. I'm getting close to God. I've got to get close to God. I want God to be impressed. I want the power of God to come upon me. So 12 o'clock hits, the whistle blows, and, and it's like, I'm thinking, I just want a hamburger now. I just want, you know, I want what I would always have. But I stayed on the job and I worked through. Anyway, by the end of the lunch break, I'd kind of shifted my focus, and I'm just focused on the job. I'd forgotten about being hungry, and I was just, I was just fine. And this young guy that was working with me at the time came back, and he's eating these, you know, shortbread cream biscuits. And they're, they're nice biscuits. And he's just got a handful of them, and he's just eating them, and they're in his, his lunch wrapper. And he looks at me, and he says, oh, you want a biscuit? And I forgot that I was fasting. It was just a momentary lapse. So I, oh, great, thanks. So I took the biscuit and I put it in my mouth and I started to chew it. But before I swallowed it into the, fid, bid, the forbidden place of my stomach, before I swallowed it, I realized that I was fasting. And I'm not kidding you. I turned and I went and spat this biscuit all over the floor. And this young guy's like, and I looked at him. At that point, I felt so embarrassed. I think, what do I tell him? I didn't even know what fasting was. How's he going to know? And it's like, I'm, I'm getting close to God. What, by spitting my biscuit all over the floor? That gets you close to God? It's like, well, no, I, I just, I look at him and I said, oh, they're dreadful biscuits. <laughs> I, you know, and it's like, I, I spat this biscuit all over the floor. Terrible biscuit. Oh, don't give me one of those again. And I'm thinking, here I go. I just lied through my teeth. I love shortbread creams. Dip them in coffee. They're just so... And I hear, I'm lying because I'm getting close to God. I had a very poor understanding of fasting. I thought it was this thing where if I can just be so strong that I can overcome my hunger and not eat, God will go, wow, I'm impressed how strong this guy is. I'm going to give him more strength so he can serve me. It's like I had no understanding of fasting. That's not the fast he was looking for. Now, I believe in that kind of fasting. I do believe in, in denying yourself and stopping eating and, and going through that process of drawing close to God. But, but if it's not accompanied with the attitude of the fast of Isaiah 58, that it's not actually just about denying my stomach food, it's about a, a lifestyle of denial where I share what I have with those around me, where I share not just my sandwiches with somebody who doesn't have any, but I share my time who, with somebody who needs me. I, I, I love our Hope Cafe volunteers. They, they inspire me. They impress me. They come in and they give of their time. And you know, the thing I love about our Hope Cafe volunteers is they're not just serving in the kitchen. They're not just waiting on tables. They're waiting on people because they love people. And they sit now. Our volunteers all sit and have a meal with our Hope Cafe guests. You know, and out of that, relationships are being formed. They're coming back, making comments like, you people really do care, don't you? It's not just about giving us a meal, but you actually want to know about our life. You want to know about our family. You want to know what our struggles are. And, and our team are getting the opportunity and the privilege of praying for those who are wounded and hurting. And it's a slow process because they don't trust people. But now more and more trust is being built because we're actually being the hands of Jesus to the broken and the hurting and the lost and the messed up. And, and we're running now connect groups. Last, How many, Joel, did you have last in the connect group? Six, eight, 
Yeah, actually, I think it was closer to eight because I noticed you had some new ones come in. And, and in this connect group, Joel's leading it at the moment because um, um, Mary is, uh, is off caring for her elderly dad. She would normally lead it. And they've just taken to Joel and he's there sharing his journey and, and, and his life and his understanding and hearing their stories and letting them talk and process. And Barry Rice here is, is working with Joel in that group. And it's like... People are just hungry for somebody to talk to, for somebody who will understand, for somebody who will touch them, for somebody who's prepared to get dirty and to feel their pain and experience their pain. Let me tell you something. Church, that's the kind of fast God is looking for. Sure, have your day of fast where you're just worshiping God. You're just looking for God. You're just connecting with God. But let the motivation be, not like the motivation of Isaiah 58. You know, I'll tell you why I don't respond to you when you fast. It's because you fast to please yourselves. It's like my fast is so that I get more of God, so that I can have more of God and be more blessed by God. And, and that, that will be a byproduct if we were just like Jesus, touch broken, hurting, wounded people. I, I see a church with a huge heart for the lost and the broken. I was walking down Hunter Street early, about a week ago, and uh, I normally don't give money to people on the street because often it's shot up their arm or whatever it might be. But I was walking down Hunter Street and this fellow was breaking up an old cigarette that he'd found on the street. And it was about half past six in the morning. I walked over to Market Town Shopping Center and I'm just looking at him and I wasn't really taking any notice and he looked up at me and he said, it, it's only tobacco. I said, oh, pardon? He said, it's only tobacco. I said, oh, man, I didn't even know what you were doing. He said, no, it's not. He said, it's not drugs or anything. I said, oh, that's okay. And he looked at me and he said, you look like a godly man. I thought, do I? Oh, <laughs> oh really? I thought, now I know what I see when I look in the mirror. I knew I just thought, what godliness coming back at me there. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you look like a man who knows God. I thought, oh, you've seen me in church. But he hadn't. And I looked at him and I said, you know, do you know God? He said, oh, yeah, kind of. He said, my life's messed up. He said, it's totally messed up. He said, I'm back on the street. He said, things aren't going real good. I said, mate, that's not good. He said, have you ever been to Hope Cafe? I said, I just, just stopped there. He needed a bath. He was on the nose. But I just thought, you know, this is what Jesus would have done. And, and I, I invited him. I don't think he's been yet. His name's Shane. So if you meet a Shane that comes through the door, he's my friend, okay? Accept him. Embrace him. My new friend. His name's Shane. And I, I, I just finished and he said, oh, you couldn't help a bloke out, could you? I thought, oh, here we go. I know. I knew it was coming. I knew it. He said, what do you need? Oh, a couple of bucks. I had a $5 note in my wallet. Said, you don't take credit card, do you? He said, no. I haven't got the pay wave, you know. I gave him my last five bucks. I said, that's all I've got there. And just as I handed it to him, a bus stopped behind me. And out got a guy 10 times worse than he was. And they knew each other. Anyway, he introduced me to his friend. and I started to walk off. And then Shane yells out, hey, he's just asked me for $2.50. <laughs> I said, well, share it, mate. You know, it's like my last five bucks but I thought you know there are people like that right across our city but we have them coming to our church we have them coming through the doors of our church every Thursday night 
I know not everybody can come and be a part of that. I know not everybody can serve in Hope Cafe. But, you know, there's opportunity there. You know, I've, I've had Christians say to me, you know, you should be more community-minded. Okay. I, I think we're doing okay when you look at what's happening in Hope Cafe. You know, what do you mean we should be more community-minded? Well, are you community-minded? Well, I've never seen you in Hope Cafe. You, you know, and I don't mean that to be judgmental, but it's like if we just opened our eyes, we can see the opportunities that God is bringing our way. He's actually bringing them to us. Now, I know... We've all heard the sermons. Jesus said, go into all the world. He didn't say, come ye. He said, go ye. I think it works both ways. I think we go when we leave here on Sunday and we go into our Monday. You are going. You are out there. But he's also bringing people to the house of God. He's bringing people into the atmosphere of faith and love and acceptance so that he can do something fresh and new. I I see a church that just has a huge heart for the lost and the broken. Do you have a huge heart for the lost and the broken? I wonder if the band can come back. If you don't, how do you get it? Get close to God. You get close to God, you can't help but get close to people. The closer Jesus got to the Father and heard his heartbeat, the more he heard the heartbeat of those around him. The more he felt the pain of those around him. The fast that he calls our church to, my friends, is a sharing of our time, our talent, our resources. It's a sharing of the deposit of God that is in us. It's a sharing of who he is and what he has done for us. What he's done for me, he can do for you. But how will you know what he's done for me? How will they hear if someone doesn't tell them, the Bible says? How will they be told if someone doesn't go? You see, we've got to have a heart for the lost, the broken, the hurting. Just a challenge I wanted to give you today. Come on, let's stand together.